If you would, turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter, chapter 5. While you're looking for 1 Peter, chapter 5, it won't take you but a second. You know your Bibles pretty well. I want to say I'm very grateful that you're here tonight. Um, on a Friday night, there's a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of options out there. You could have chose to do anything else, but you chose to come to the house of God. You didn't come for me. You didn't even come for your pastor, although you do your pastor a great service when he announces revival and you support it with your attendance. Um, but I'm grateful that you came. And I hope, as our brother said a moment ago, that the Lord will use me. I know that I have been preceded by two gifted men who have done uh, probably an outstanding job. No doubt that they were used of God and they made an indelible impression with the Word of God on your life. Uh, I hope to inspire you a little bit tonight. Um, Tony asked me a question a minute ago. He said, how long have you been saved? And I, and I told him, um, and he said, wow, you know. And then I said, well, no, that's wrong. It's, it's actually a couple years longer than that. But it got me to thinking, just two months ago this week, I was here for camp meeting, uh, and that was just a wonderful time. And... Barring something I'm surely unaware of that may take place and the Lord allows me to come back to camp meeting next year, my wife and I will have celebrated in March our 50th anniversary. And so we're looking forward to that. I don't, we still don't know what we're going to do. I don't have the money to take a trip around the world. Um, and I just don't know what we're going to do. And so we're still kind of open. Uh, she told me yesterday a refrigerator went out. So she said, well, let's get new appliances for our anniversary. I said, now there's a real woman. Now there's a 50-year-old, there's a 50-year wife right there who wants kitchen appliances. Uh, I said, no, Debbie, no, I don't think I want to do that. Uh, you know, I'll spring for the refrigerator and we'll take care of the rest later when we need to. We're going to do something else. So uh, hopefully she'll be with me next year. She's kind of halfway committed to that. I love you tonight. Boy, I'll tell you, this congregation, you knew from the get-go, first time I've ever come here, it just, you guys really captured my heart and my favor. I love you people. I pray for you all the time. I think about you. Uh, and on some level, uh, envy Brother Tony with the talent he has here uh, and, and just gracious people, good godly people. I just love you tonight. Thank you for coming, and I pray that God will do something in our lives. Now, this is going to be a little different. Coming down the road, empty as a gun barrel. And I got to pondering about a lot of things and didn't know what I was going to do. And this seldom happens, but the Lord gave me the title of my message. So then I had to start praying and determine what scriptures does God want me to go with. I have but one verse. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and if you want to look at it with me, it's verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And then the first portion of verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith. I want to talk tonight just for a little bit, and I don't know what the other, I, I haven't been watching these online. Um, I'm not 
I've got a flip phone and still ain't figured that out. Had to get a new one. My other one, oh man, I'm telling you, the horror stories of phone. So I would never, ever try a smartphone. My flip phone's giving me trouble. So that's, so the young people's going, man, there's one ignorant guy up here tonight. But I got to thinking, I, I didn't watch, and it's probably just as well, because if I say something or cover some ground they already have, you would think I'm rep duplicating, replicating, repeating what they've already gone over. What it'll mean is that you didn't get it the first time, and you need to hear it again. So we'll see. I don't know. Here's the title of the message. Jesus is coming soon. But the devil's already here. <laughs> I hear myself. Can you hear me now? That'd be a good commercial slogan. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon, but the devil's already here. Now, here's the reason, I suppose, that the Lord gave me that title. It's a wonderful thing to know in our faith in the Word of God and all things promised and eternal that Jesus is going to come and God's going to put an end to all this. And I wouldn't take anything away from that. But to some degree, what I'm observing in religion today and what I'm hearing about religion today, and again, I appreciate what the brother said, the difference between religion and his religion and experience, but all that we're observing, a lot of people are so excited about Jesus coming, they've done quit fighting the devil. There it is. They've done quit fighting the devil. And so the devil is having a heyday in our country, in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, and in our church houses. It's not up to the sinners to fight the devil. It's up to you and I. Now, we know that. We've been told that. But my fear, and, and, and I'll tell you, my love for this church every time I come, I don't, it's just the devil, I guess, but my mind goes to, I wonder how long that's going to last. Now, don't take that wrong. But what you've got here is the exception to the rule. Do not take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. Relish it. Cherish it. Do everything to protect it. Participate in it. Grow under it. Maintain it. And when the older people are gone, keep it going. What you've got here is not unique, but it's few and far between. And if you don't fight the devil, you will lose it. Our call is much to serve God. Uh, as much as our call is to serve the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with everything that's within us, I believe, too, it is incumbent on us to fight with everything within us to fight demonic forces. I submit to you the reason there's so many school shootings, the reason pornography is out of control, the reason 
politics is up in the air and getting away with more than, than our founding fathers ever determined should ever occur. The reason we're unchurched in America, the reason for all of the anger and all of the madness, the reason for the loss of our morality is because religious people have quit fighting the devil. Now, I'm telling you, you are... But here is, at the end of this message, you know what I hope happens? Every, every evangelist, every pastor, not because of us, but we hope the alders will be lined. But I would just wish that one or two would come up and say, you know, I'm not fighting hard enough. You may be going through something. You may be under te sore temptation. You may have given in to some degree. You may be second-guessing a decision you've recently made or an act you've recently committed or a temptation that's hot on your heels. I don't know where you are tonight, but I hope that out of this message and this revival, the foundation that's been laid before I got here and I build thereon, if, as it were, I pray that someone will make this a turning point or, if nothing else, a pillar of stone in the river as a memorial of a of a place in your life that's going to make the difference for the rest of your life. Amen. I think that whenever Peter was writing here, it's, it's not telling, but it's, it's interesting that verse 7 said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Well, that may be there under inspiration, divine inspiration, because we're going to, if we're going to fight the devil, God's sure going to have to take care of us. <laughs> because when you fly in the face of the devil and the things that we're facing in our nation and in our culture, God's going to have to give us some grace to do that very thing. Now, first up, you're going to have to dare to be different, an old song says, in a world of compromise. You're going to have to dare to be different. Not like, not assimilate, not close to, not enough to get away so that you don't look like something that you're not, but to really stand out in the crowd. I'm not looking for attention. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking for anything. I'm looking for the second coming, but I'm going to tell you I'm looking for God to make a way for me to fight the devil with everything that's within me. He'll give us the desires of our heart. If you want to win over the enemy, you can. If you want to keep the devil at bay, you can. You want the devil out of your home and out of your life, you can. But I believe we need to go further than that. I believe the church needs to believe that we can have more than this, this uh, almost philosophical uh, attitude, uh, the, these theological platitudes, uh, these things that are thrown out about revival in our nation or in our country. I don't want to be the voice that quells revival. I don't want to dampen anything that the Lord's been doing, and I want to build on it. But I, I have to be honest with you. If there was a measure of revival in our nation, we'd be a whole lot further away from the things that are going on than we are tonight. Amen. 
a whole lot further. I remember when I got saved and the difference that was made in my life, so do you. And if that was going on, that would start showing up in our nation. That would start showing up on the political scene, in our school halls, in our communities, in different places. But it's just not there. And, and it's because of this, of this idea I put forth a moment ago that many church people it's not that they've lost their desire, I suppose. Maybe they're not timid. I, I'm not sure what it is other than it's easier to be emotional and excited and ride the crest of our feelings than to take a beating, take a bath, and be a bad guy for standing up for something that few others are standing for. When we read church history, when we look at our Bibles, these were not popular people. Even Jesus Christ himself was popular, but only for a season. They all forsook him and fled. The 11 disciples that became apostles, 10 of the 11 were martyred for the cause. And we go back in the Old Testament and and, and, and the accounts of the New Testament, and they were thrown in jail and in prison and, and different things. And then we know history uh, uh, about the martyring that went on and the persecution. And even, even tonight, even tonight in different parts of the world, you have brothers and sisters in Christ that have dared to take a stand for Christ, and it will cost some of them their very lives. For some, it has cost their church houses. It has cost their sons and their daughters. It has cost them their livelihood. It has cost them uh, uh, their health. It has cost them their freedom. And again, many of them their lives. And yet they do, and they're able to do what many of us can't or won't or will not for lack of a burden, lack of a vision, lack of just a simple desire. Because, look at it again, be sober and be vigilant because your enemy, your enemy, the devil is not your friend. You know that. The devil doesn't want anything good for you. You know ever since you got saved, I don't know about you, but when I got up from the altar, the devil bore down on me immediately. I had, I was predisposed to meet some of my friends at a local watering hole in East Lansing, Michigan, and out of respect for my parents on a Sunday night, funny you should ask, in January of 1973, uh, two months prior to Debbie and I getting married, uh, the Lord came. And I told them, I said, well, my parents have asked me to come to church, and I've, I'm always telling them no, so you guys go ahead, and I'll meet you there later. Just, and they said, okay, Worley, you know, uh, we understand. They knew I was a religious family. So I went to church. I didn't know. I didn't plan. Uh, I had not, not a clue what God was going to do. But God saved that night, and I got up, and the first thing, the devil says, what are you going to do about your friends when they find out what you've done? Oh, man, I started to melt like butter in the sun. I thought, I can't face them guys. I had hair down to here. I had blue jeans that were tore up and a T-shirt hanging out. And I was, just a, I was just a rogue, 
I was just a rebel. I was just a nut. But God saved me. He said, I, I think I can work with you if you give me your heart. But I said, what am I going to do? And I knew out of the box, I knew as you did, that if we were going to succeed in our walk with God, if we were going to make heaven our home, we're going to have to recognize anything the devil whispers in our ear is a lie, and we're going to have to fight him from now on. I give in, I caved in, I relented for years. Now I've got to fight, and I've been fighting ever since. We're in a spiritual warfare, you're aware of that. But the devil is as a roaring lion, walking and roaming about, because he's the prince and the power of the air. You know as well as I do, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but every pastor wishes some of his members came to church as often as the devil does. <laughs> That's not you. You're here tonight, and you're faithful, so I'm not casting dispersions. But we know that the devil comes to church about every time. And if he can disrupt and destroy, he's going to do that. And so he is the enemy of the saints of God, the people of God. Surely he's the enemy of those he already has. And as a roaring lion, he wants to devour us. Now, therein lies the crux of the whole message. Because we have a number of people I see throughout the crowd that are, you know, 60, 65 and older. And we have little time, as it were, left compared to a number of these young people that thankfully, I do appreciate you young people coming tonight. Uh, I know that there are football games being played on Friday night football uh, and all of those kinds of things. And aren't you, aren't you just so proud of teenagers that come to church on a Friday night instead of out with the world of football games? I got to tell you, that just touches my heart. Now, it isn't going to get any better. <laughs> Today's, tonight's football game Tomorrow's Walmart sale. I mean, there's going to be something that will lure and attract you away from the, the house of God. And so we're in a fight, seeking whom he may devour and destroy. So it is our job, I want to talk to you a minute about this particular portion. Be sober, be serious. I'm just afraid that I see more laughter and more skipping and hopping, and more frivolity out of religious people today because of what they're involved in than serious, burdened, soul-searching, cross-caring individuals that are going to survive. You'll never ever survive your battle with the devil if you're not serious. This is not a joke, this is not a game, and you cannot make it hanging on to anyone else's coattails. You can be sure the devil will at some point make a way for you to let go. Teenagers' ruins or lives are ruined over it. Marriages are dissolved because of it. Lives are ended prematurely. Any number of things can come about 
when people don't take this matter seriously. And not only in our culture and in our world, but in religion, in mainstream religion. It's not so much a joke as it is just a, almost a second thought. And if you can entertain people enough, then they'll acclimate to what you have and what you are and what you teach. I'm glad the church isn't in the entertainment business. Sherm doesn't get up here. The choir doesn't get up here. These specials that were sung tonight were not intended to entertain you. If it entertained you, now, I, we like it to sound good. I, I applauded the talent. I told Tony, I said, man, you got some talent here, you know. You ought to be proud. And so all of that. But we want the anointing. And that's what's missing. Unless you're serious and the anointing of God is on your life. Hear me now. We want and we think that the anointing is only for ministry, ministerial work. You have to have the power, the presence, the blessing of God on your life if you hope to win the battle over the devil. You'll have to be very serious. You'll have to hit the altar. You'll have to relent. You'll have to repent. You'll have to succumb. You'll have to give in. You'll have to let God have his way. Or he'll let you have your way, and you don't want that to be the way. To be serious, sober means to be serious, and vigilant, of course, means to be cautious. With great care. It isn't hard to get to heaven. The Bible tells us that God would not put more upon us, but what we can bear with every temptation, he'll make a way for our escape. My grace is sufficient. All the things that we understand about God's grace and the power of God, the presence of God, and what it affords us is true. However, we don't need to live in fear that we won't, we can't, but we need to be cautious. And in being cautious, we take, we're vigilant, and with careful forethought, we measure our lives not so much by milliseconds or even the moments, but by days and in our plannings and in our hopes, our dreams, you young people, your aspirations. You need to be vigilant that what you're pursuing and what you hope to gain, what you hope to accomplish, that God's will is fully performed in your life. Because when we meander and when we wander, when we go out on our own and we get lost in high weeds, then we're going to get in trouble. And we lose our ability to fight and we succumb to temptation. So being sober and being vigilant is extremely critical. I'm not suggesting, much less implying, or vice versa, that Christianity is some kind of stoic, uh, sober, pious kind of lifestyle that, you know, if you snicker, you better come to the altar. We'll have none of that around here. If you laugh on occasion, oh, hey, hey, God couldn't possibly be in that. I can't imagine that whenever Jesus was sitting around a fire and he listened to those fishermen and 
and those guys that he didn't snicker once in a while. <laughs> that aside, I'm not suggesting that Christianity can't be a wonderful life, because it is. I wouldn't trade anything, not only because of God's heaven, not only because of salvation wrought because of Christ's blood, not only because the Spirit of God resides and empowers and leads and guides me into all truth, but the friends, the acquaintances, the memories, and the joy that I've garnered over a lifetime now with God's people, I wouldn't trade. I could have never found that with my buddies in a bar room. <laughs> never! It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it speaks to the spiritual side. But aren't you glad when we can come to camp meeting, we can have a good time? Aren't you glad when we break bread together in a restaurant or somebody's home, we can have a good time? But at the same time, you have to have a serious, a sober, a vigilant, a cautious mannerism about you because the devil is seeking to devour you. He has most everybody. He's about to get some more. I don't want him to have me. And the word steadfast here, I want to talk about it for a second, verse number 9, is to be rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. Let me read it like that and begin as we begin to wind towards the closing here in a minute or two. Let me read it like that. Verse number 9. Whom resist, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined in the faith. Now I got to tell you, if that's where you are, you're going to win. You're going to win the fight. If you're not, you come and pray and put on the whole armor of God. I don't have a fear. I don't have a doubt. I, I can't even say that I have any forethought with regard to a notion. But I would say, I thought of this earlier, so I'm going to do it for just a quick second. If every senior, I guess, in the building, everybody 60 and older, would you just stand for a second, please? I want to see who you are. Every senior in the building, yeah, 60 and older. Okay. Okay, thank you. You may be seated. Those who couldn't, we see you. I appreciate your participation. I say that because as the ones who are not there, listen, it won't be long, they'll be gone. You're going to take up the mantle. Will you be able to fight the fight they have? Will you be able to take the baton and run the course that is set before you? All of us have people in our lives, parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, ministers, numbers of them that have dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ, who have answered their own personal calls, some of them to pulpit duty, some across the seas and missionary work, others in a kitchen and camp meeting, in our Sunday school rooms, and they greeted our doors. They clean our church houses. They do our printing. 
They order our music, they play our music, they sing our songs. Everybody has a gifting in some way or another. No one's insignificant in the kingdom of God and in the work of God. If you can't do a thing because of your age and your lack of ability, if you can still whisper a prayer, and if you can't whisper, you can think it. You have something to do, and God's going to honor, and he's going to bless it. Pray for me. And so these folks have done that for a good portion of their lifetime, most of their lifetime, some of them all of their lifetime after coming to the age of accountability. I'm not going to suggest and ask, will it be squandered? Will it be wasted? Will it be for naught? They're going to let their lives preach their funeral when they're gone, and you will do with it what you will. Their hope, their prayer, their intention in laying the foundation is so that you and I, after them, will fight the fight of faith and win the battle over demonic forces that the church of God, the real truths of God, will endure until Christ comes again. Christ is coming, but the devil's already here. We're going to have to recognize that in greater... And I know, and I know we have... I'm like you. I bemoan it. I whine about it. I, I have very very clear, concise thoughts about a lot of it. It stirs me. It frustrates me. It angers me. Now you're thinking, man, what kind of a guy is this? Well, like all of you, I have a vested interest in this nation, one nation under God. I've spent, obviously, my lifetime born in America, glad to be an American, proud to be an American. Married a wife, raised two children, a granddaughter I have, and a great-grandson now. Um, and, 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 and this country's been good to me. And I've fulfilled as best I could my call, and the church has been good to me. And so I've done all of that. But, but, but all of the things that are just in a swirl and things that are just changing at breakneck speed, you get up, don't, don't you get up, do you sometimes get up in the morning and say, I wonder what's going to happen today? Huh? And the devil, and I don't assign blame to the world. The world is going to live like the devil. I have been there. I'm not glad for it. I don't applaud it. I'm not thrilled over it. I don't excuse it. I don't say, well, if they want to go to hell, let them. No, that, none of that is my, my, my notion, my mindset. But they are who they are. It's time God's people become who they should be. Huh? Let me say it again. I thought that was pretty good. The word. <laughs> oh, my arm's breaking from patting myself on the back. But anyway, the world is the world, and it's time the church became what it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm going to try to remember that and preach that as a title when I get back home. Somebody write it down for me. And so, given that, I know that you are. But with all of the external influences and the pressure that's brought to bear on those that are now fighting the good fight of faith in their younger years, their teenage years, their 20, 30, 40 midlife years and on to their senior years, we wonder sometimes what's going to become of the local church. 
because everybody's falling in lockstep for this emotional tide that's running roughshod over our country. The alders are gone. Most of the truth has been removed. The notion is the quickest way to get a church to grow and to go is to entertain them happy. We'll get us some high dollar talent. And if we can't afford it, we'll get us some lower dollar talent. But we'll pay somebody to do something around here that'll mesmerize the people and be an attraction. And sure enough, they all start flocking one thing or another. And they get entertained and they feel real good about it. Told my people some time ago, and I've said it before, and I suppose I preached it in Revival and mentioned it, and I'll mention it tonight. If what I have, if Jordantown Church of God, if the truth I preach and the presence of God in those services aren't enough for you, then you might want to go on down the road. That's all I got. That's all I've got to offer. The truth of God's Word. Not as I see it, not because everybody's wrong and I'm the only guy that's right, but I have rightly divided the Word of God for nearly half a century and I got a pretty good inkling of what the Bible has to say about most everything. And what I don't understand, I'll either tell you or I'll talk a good talk to get around it and move on to something else. And so that's where I am. And I believe that's where you are, aren't you? If the truth and the Spirit of God isn't enough to attract the masses, then let us dwindle down to a handful. Let the coffers be empty. But let God be true and every man a liar. And that's where we are. And that's the only way to fight, and it's the only way to win. Bless their hearts. I have seen, and I'm not a big sports guy. Now, I, yeah, you're going to get it, Donna. No, you're not. But we were talking at lunch today, and I mentioned Ohio State. Oh, boy, I can tell. Man, she'd been sick, but she was a pitcher of health then. <laughs> and so I, I'm not a sports guy per se. And, but I have seen enough over the years, my point is, that I've seen some coaches who really believed in their method of coaching. They, they were convinced that if we, can, if we can run these plays often enough, Tony was telling me about a team that just lost recently a, a close game with somebody, uh, and they run the same play three times. The coach run the same, and they lost the game in the final two minutes or something. But they get that kind of fixation on their perception of reality and truth. But may we be like that. May we get a bulldog grip on God's word and his truth and his will in our lives and be unrelenting and unwilling to back up, back down, back away, or do anything that would bring it into compromise and say, let the chips then fall where they may. I believe that sooner or later, every church is going to fight this battle. We have at Jordantown. 
We have a number of things working against us. We're rural. We're about five miles outside of Vinton, which is a suburb of Roanoke Valley. So we're about a quarter of a million people, but not nearly that many out in the rolling hills of Bedford County where my church is. Uh, and so at one time it was doing very well, but I left and come back and another story. But, and so it's rural. That didn't used to be a big deal, but now it tends to be everybody's gravitating towards town and downtown Roanoke and apartment living and those kinds of things. The second thing is many people are just not, uh, as I've been in this now for 30, 40, nearly 50 years, people don't have the, the, the notion and uh, the ideal uh, and th the priority that they once had uh, with regard to church attendance. And so many people, many young people, of course, but many parents now, young parents, and middle-agers even, they just don't, there's just not a propensity to, to, to go to the house of God. So, so that's another thing. But the biggest problem is the problem, well, it's not a problem for you guys because obviously you're doing pretty well, but for me the problem is that we're traditional. We're not contemporary. And so we sing the songs that you sing around here. We're structured the way you are around here. I don't need to hire a guy to come in and lead me into worship. Come on. If you need to be led into worship, I, I could lead you astray. You've got to find your own way into the presence of God. So I, I'm, I'm not real keen on that. And so, because we're not contemporary, we don't have any young people, I mean, we've just got one thing after another. And I don't know what we're going to do. I'm praying, trusting, seeking, doing everything we can. Short of begging, maybe I need to buy some TV time and start begging people to come to church. So I know that for us, and our people are stalwart. I mean, they have dug in. It's not that they don't care if we don't build the church back up to the 150, 175 that they once had. No, no, they'd love to have and the talent that we had, and the drummers we had, and the guitar players we had, and the youth that we had, and the teachers that we had. All the things that we had that goes with that. Well, they'd love to have that. But they have all cumulatively and singularly told me we will not compromise what we've had here for 50 years. Now, you're going to have to do that not just as a church, and I'm not suggesting you'll ever have to do that here, but certainly churches have to, but in your own life. Because it's real easy. It's real easy to say, man, you know, the Old Testament prophet said that the people said unto him, look, man, look, preach unto us smooth things. Give us something that's palatable. Something that doesn't offend our ears, much less get to our emotions, and far be it that it would trouble our heart or our spirit. Oh, no, no, no. Preach to us smooth things. 
And so now we've even got these lofty, idyllic, self-anointed prophets of God that won't even use some words for fear of offending people. We're living in a time where that most people, they don't mind using demonic terms. They don't mind making movies about it. They don't mind telling you to go there. But they will not fight it. And the battle's being lost on the home front in this nation. And every portion of our community as well as our churches. We're no longer the Christian nation that we once were. We were able, you know, revival, I thought about this coming down the road and on that, that seat there. Revival used to be determined by and defined by a number of things, but one of the things, invariably I'd go home from revival and the first question my people would ask me, what do you, anybody want to guess what it was? That's right. Who said that? Yep. Yeah. How many got saved, they'd say. And I'd say, 43. No, I'd never have. <laughs> did you kids believe that? No, you didn't. I know you did. If you did, I'm sorry. But often there would be a number of people that got saved. And when I was growing up as a kid... Man, them guys would come and they'd bear down. And they would preach hellfire and brimstone, and we knew better than to live a lackluster life anymore. We better go out there and keep fighting the devil. <laughs> and if we kept fighting the devil, that was going to force us or make us or want us, and we had a desire to get back to the church house next time the doors were open. I believe the two go hand in hand. I believe that the spiritual viability of any congregation is in direct proportion to its membership's ability to fight the devil. Would you agree with that, Brother Tony? And that's probably why you guys reign over demonic forces here, and even though the devil's reared his ugly head a time or two, you have prevailed because you have enough people that are willing. But in generations to come, not even generations, just one generation removed, will you kids, I will challenge you without embarrassing you, but I love preaching to young people. I used to do a lot of youth camps in my day, um, and they were just wonderful times. Kids are so tender. They just, man, they just want God, and they want to love God. They want to do right. They want to serve God before their lives are a wreck, all of that. Boy, it's just, just wonderful. But I challenge you kids, because if the devil wants, if the devil was to come in here and we was able to ask and say, okay, who do you want? Who do you want? I know which direction he'd go. We don't have much to offer. We've pretty much put up a good fight. He says, ah, that old worldly guy, man, I forget that guy. He ain't never going to cave. We've tried. Let him go. What we're going to work on is some of them kids. We want some of them young parents. We want some of those that are locked to their careers and losing sight of the kingdom. We need them. We're going after them. The devil wants you tonight. You're going to have to fight. Song leader's going to get a song prepared, and we're going to sing a song. And when we do, I'm just going to ask, 
if there be anyone in the building tonight, young or middle-aged or even an older person says, I got to get a better grip. I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm losing faith. I've, my illness or my economic status, um, the devil's got me questioning God and his care and his concern uh, and his ability even to do anything for me. I don't know what's going on, but I've never experienced this before. So maybe your will to fight is waning. Maybe you'd want to pray, but anyone in the building that would want to come and make this the night that is a milestone in your life, a memorial in your life, a reference point in your life that a year from now, five years from now, a decade or another half a lifetime away from here, the Lord tarries, most of the rest of us are gone, and you still stand. Will you still be fighting the battle that you swore to take on in September of 2022. The sinner, in closing, final thought, he would look at the church and say, yeah, preacher, get them guys, you're right. You get a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of backsliders, you get them church people. They need to fight. They ain't got no fight in them. Let me tell you something, sinner. If you're here unsaved tonight, I believe every Christian, they don't believe that I've been down in them. I ain't been demeaning them. I haven't indicted them. I've challenged them because I love them. But let me say to you, sinner, the church has many detractors, but she has no equals. <laughs> All kinds of people hate her and make fun of her and find fault in her. But when you get down to it and you look at the one who really loves God and knows God and there's some here, there's a bunch of them here tonight and you know that in the depths of your soul, they have no equals. The church of the living God universal. I'm not talking about a group here and a group in Jordantown, but I'm talking about wherever the born again reside under whatever umbrella. Of course, I wish some of them would come out of her, my people, but that's another message, another story, another time. We ain't going to go there. I might get shut off. I don't know what they'll do on that Facebook anymore. Um, but there's enough of the spirit of God and truth here, sinner, that if you'd come home tonight, if you'd come to the Lord tonight, quit being critical, quit finding fault, and get on board and help us. Preaching a message to hypocrites one time, and I look back church uh, towards the back, and I said, let me tell you something, hypocrite. You can mock, you can scoff, you can find fault with us until God calls you out of this life and you split hell wide open. But if you know, you know how wrong we are, why don't you come and show us how it's done? Huh? But if you're not here like that tonight, I don't believe what you are is you say, yeah, 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 the church just isn't what it used to be. Well, come and help us then. Would you come and help us? Would you throw your arms? Would you throw your resources? Would you throw your, your heart into the work here? And would you help us fight the devil? Young people, will you help the grandparents here and the moms and dads here? Maybe your own parents here. Would you help the good pastor and his wife here? Would you help us? Would you help this evangelist? <laughs> Come to pray for him. And as I go home and look to meet me if the Lord wills next summer, getting in there, staying in there, working for God, laboring for the Lord. Because indeed, Jesus is coming soon. And the devil's already here. But aren't you glad it won't be long? And the devil won't be where I am anymore. <laughs> 
The devil won't be where I'm going anymore. Never was there, by the way, but that's another story. And he's never going back, and the devil never going to be there. I'm glad that we can have. I have faltered. Sometimes I feel like I've failed. Sometimes I've implored God to help me and show me the way. But I've never lost my desire on some level to fight the good fight of faith. Song leader, would you come? Brother Sherman, would you come back up if you're going to do that in a piano player? Would you stand with me for just a moment for a word of prayer? Father, we commit this audience to your, to your call tonight, your tender spirit and your presence, and the power of God may it come to us. I appreciate the words that Peter wrote so long ago, that we need to be vigilant and cautious, sober and serious. Help us, Lord, to be that. I know that there's nothing wrong with a sense of humor. There's nothing wrong with having a good time. But Lord, we need to make sure that we don't trade that off for the burden and the vision that we need to have for lost souls, for the spiritual well-being and the nurturing of our congregations, and to the gifting that you've given us to use and utilize it for the greatest use, for the benefit of your kingdom. Speak to hearts tonight and fully work your will in every life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 193, 193. I will follow thee, my Savior. I challenge especially the young people. Church of today. I challenge you especially to get in and say, I'll fight the good fight. Young parents, caught up in your careers and raising children, fight just not in you sometimes. Come on. Let's promise God we'll keep fighting on. I will follow thee, my Savior. Yes. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. And though all men should forsake thee, by thy grace I'll follow thee. I know that young people especially were caught up in, I was as a kid, but even more so today in our culture and the things that are going on in television and medias. The Voice, America's Got Talent, uh, and there's a couple more out there where young people can take their talent and come to the fore and boy the world applauds them and a lot at stake careers are made and broken on some votes by a nation and some judges we look at the sports world and man them, those people they just have it made millions of dollars millions of fans and sometimes it's hard because the devil comes to a young person and said now, what, what he's telling you tonight, what he's wanting you to, be, to aspire to become, doesn't that kind of pale by comparison to what the world's doing and what they have? 
Well, for now, and on the outside, it looks like it is, but, but I've read in this book, and I've taken a look, and I've got a, I've got a place waiting on me that this world, at the top of their game, could not afford one of the foundation's bricks. <laughs> what I stand to inherit on the other side, there's no glory. There's no emotion. There's no feeling of euphoria that one can attain by landing at the top of their game in the sports or entertainment world. That pales by comparison with what Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to fight the devil so I can have that place. I want to keep up the good fight so I can inherit eternal life. Because I'm dead where I stand. I'm terminal. I'm terminally ill. When I wake up, I want to be on the other side experiencing eternal life in the presence of Almighty God, the throne with His Son. Oh, I'm telling you tonight, get a glimpse of what God has in store and what God can do and how much better a life in Christ is than living with so much less. Fight the devil. You'll be glad when God says, Enter in, thou good and faithful, what? Servant. You worked, you labored, you fought, you obeyed, and you did what I required. This is all yours. Oh, friend, I want you to make it. We're going to sing another verse. Would you come? Anybody want to come? I'll fight. I'll fight. Trackless as the foaming sea. You fight when you get Thou mad. <laughs> you fight when you're offended. Let's fight the devil for the word of God. And I gladly follow thee. Amen. We'll follow him. I will follow thee, my Savior. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. forsake thee by thy grace I'll follow